If you would turn to Galatians and then actually keep your finger there and then go to Mark chapter 4. Uh, while you're finding that, I'll, I'll just, if we could just stand this morning, if we would, please. The words will be on the screen. just feel like we should do that this morning to just take a breath and find your face in the midst of it all, Lord. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24 that we've been reading, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35, going down through verse 41, which is going to be our main text today. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. This is God's word. You may be seated. Just a brief prayer. Father, as we come before your word this morning, I pray that you would soften our hearts and open our minds to hear what each and every one of us needs today. I pray that Jesus will be made much of and that your name will be glorified, Father, through the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, for those of you littles that are here, uh, the young people that are here today that would normally be out back, um, you're going to have your question at the end. I have my assignment for you as well, and I also have your little pair of peace that you're going to collect at the end of service. We want you to write a prayer on that and return it to Lisa, and I I have here that you get, do I get a treat? Because you get a treat if you return your pair. So I want to know if I get a treat too, but apparently she's not going to. But anyway, there you have it nonetheless. All right. What I want us to look at today is we, we take a look at the message just titled Peace, Peace. I want us to understand that that is found in the center of God's will. We have to get a hold of that. Peace is found in the center of God's will no matter where you are. Let's listen to this very closely this week because it could be in the midst of a battlefield that you find yourself in physically or emotionally or mentally. You could find yourself in the midst of a great storm Or you could find yourself very simply in the quietness of your home, wrestling through with what it means to have peace in Christ. Peace is found in the center of God's will. Now there's a piece that I want us to remember that I think will be good for us to kind of take away today, is this. In the working out of our salvation, we must never forget the human factor. The human factor. Now what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is that we are broken people in a broken world, carrying out God's plans and God's purposes. So if we can remember that, that as we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling, as we are wrestling through the day-to-day grind that we have, each one of us is broken, but we're broken in our own special way. The best way in which we can navigate those types of roads as we seek for the peace and what that really means to cultivate the fruit, peace, is that it is God's grace, ultimately, that carries us through everything. It is His grace. If we get our hands on that, we're not going to have a hard time with much of anything else or a hard time with people. 
because we understand that his grace has been poured out upon us as broken people. If you ever want to know what a culture thinks, if you ever want to know what a culture struggles with, if you ever want to know exactly what it is they're trying to figure out in this world, one of the best places to discover this is to do what? You know me. It is to listen to the music. I love a good lyric. Listen to the music. The songs that are written by the artists that we hear on the radio today who express in words sometimes things that we're feeling. The complaints that are had, the concerns that are had, the celebrations, and even the questions will give a good look into the world and its struggles from somebody else's perspective. If we are too quick to shut that down, we are missing a lot of things that we probably ought to take the time to listen to. Now, Elvis Costello, some of you might be old enough to have remembered Elvis Costello, uh, he's a group that I really like and the attractions that my wife really doesn't care for, so I listen to him on my earbuds on Spotify. But he sang a song that was written by Nick Lowe in 1974, and it was called What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. I tried like crazy to get the worship team to do this this week, but they just wouldn't do it. They wouldn't have anything to do with it. The song itself starts this way. It says, as I walk through this wicked world, searching for light in the darkness of insanity, I ask myself, is all hope lost? Is there only pain and hatred and misery? And each time I feel like this inside, there's one thing that I want to know. And then he asks the question, what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? You want to know what the world thinks? You want to know what we wrestle with? What the unbeliever thinks and wrestles with? This song frames it out pretty well, even though it was written pretty close to 40 years ago. This song, 44 years ago, frames it out very well. Before you brush this off as worldly wisdom and a worldly view, let's really think this through for a minute. Let's process those words, most especially given the truth of our mission in this world, that we are to reach the lost for Jesus. There are very few people that I have come across in this world. In fact, I have never come across anybody in this world personally, both believers and non-believers, who don't want peace. I have never run into somebody who just says, I just want to cause all kinds of trouble my entire life because that's just what excites me. I've never run into somebody like that. Every single human being that I have encountered wants to live in some semblance of safety in a place that is ordered and in a world most especially where their kids and their grandkids can grow up in a safe and good way. Now, as Christians, as Christians, one has to be bold and brave enough to start by asking questions like this. Is all hope lost? Is all hope lost? Why? Because it is in that question where the non-believer starts. It is in that question where the non-believer starts. And if ever you want to share about the hope that you have within you as a Christian and the peace that we find in Christ that the Scripture promises us, don't ever demand that they meet you where you are at. Be bold enough and be brave enough to meet them where they're at and let them ask the questions and open the door to the things that they're struggling with. It works much better that way. Somebody did that for you at some point in your life. They let you lead the conversation 
in order to know what was going on. Dealing with the realities of the world in which we live in demands that we are honest first and foremost with our struggles to see peace, not only in this world. Now, let's be honest. We struggle to see peace in this world. But not only in this world, we have to also be honest about what it looks like within our little sphere of influence and taking it into an even smaller area, what it looks like in our own personal lives and our own personal walk with the Lord. What does that peace look like? Are we struggling? Are we unsettled? Learning once again, very importantly, that life itself is a long faith journey that each one of us is on where everything is not black and white. Everything is not cut and dry. We have to get a hold of that. If we try to make everything black and white, everything very binary, everything very cut and dry, it makes very difficult walk. That we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, each and every one of us. What that then means is that it's going to be different for each and every one of us because you're dealing with something different than the person sitting next to you. I'm dealing with something different than my wife perhaps is even dealing with. So me working out my salvation with fear and trembling is going to be much different than you perhaps. But we are to work it out nonetheless. Doing so helps us to navigate times of doubt, helps us to navigate times of fear and pain. And at times, if we are completely honest, we are unsettled and we are dealing with a great lack of peace in our life. And we have to start there. And nowhere is this lack of peace seen more clearly than in the story of Jesus calming the storm. It's a very good story. It's an incident in the life of the disciples that really, we talked about this this week, it really causes some people to step back and wonder if these bozos will ever get it. Will these guys ever get who they're dealing with? Because they go right into panic. You see, the fruit of the Spirit and the aspect of peace itself rests in this, the sovereignty of God and His providential care of humanity. I say that again. The fruit of the Spirit and peace itself rests in the sovereignty of God and His providential care of humanity. That is absolutely essential for us to understand and see as we unpack the story. If we do not understand the sovereignty of God in our lives and if we don't understand His providential care over every single human being, it will be very difficult for us to understand what God is trying to do within our life as He teaches us what it means to have peace. The other thing that we have to keep in front of us is that try as we might, we cannot create all by ourselves. We cannot produce this fruit all on our own. We have a part to play, absolutely, but we cannot do it all on our own. Something that we all know right here in the front of our brain. We'll all admit that. I can't do this by myself. But deep in the back part of our brain, we wrestle it through. And emotionally, we forget more quickly than we think we do that, nope, I can't do this on my own. And we try to pull through and push through. Our self-effort to think our way, say, to a place of peace, as it were, the self-help type thinking that we have today, buy a book and think your way into a place of comfort and peace, is not a biblical notion at any level. It is simply not a biblical notion. If we have Christ, we are to be cultivating the fruit that he has given to us And we are to be using the gifts that he has given us as well in whatever aspect of our life we're supposed to be in and using them. You see, that's our part. That is our part within the scriptures and within our life. But ultimately, it is the spirit of God within us. Think on this. It is the spirit of God within us that brings about genuine change and growth. 
That's what's happening. Our duty is twofold. It's obedience and it's faith. Obedience and faith. And as we see that, we're going we're gonna to unpack the story. We're going to see both of these things working out. Jesus had spent the better part of the day teaching and preaching. The, the chapter begins with, again, he began to teach by the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. So what I read to you is the end of the day. This is the beginning of the day. Now at the end of the day, he wants to head across the lake to the other side. Why? Because he just wants to have some rest. He's got something else he wants to do. And to go out on the lake is not an odd thing for them to do in the middle of the night, but rather it was quite normal at that time when you think about it. If you do any studies on the Lake of Galilee, it's very much like Lake Champlain. It's in a basin. And storms can come up very quickly if you aren't careful. And it usually happens more often than not on the Sea of Galilee in the afternoon. As the southwest wind pushes itself up the lake, it turns a very calm lake into a very choppy lake. And if it continues to batter back and forth between calm and storm, you end up with a very bad storm. But more often than not, that happened in the afternoon. It didn't happen in the middle of the night. So... It would create a very unsettled environment for anybody that was out on the water. But for an experienced fisherman to be told by Jesus to head out on the water just as the sun was going down and night was approaching wasn't unusual at all for them. In fact, it was a very normal thing. They were quite content with it. So what did they do? They obeyed. They could do this. That was their mindset. This is what we do. We've got this under control. On that day, when evening came, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. So far, so good, right? They're doing everything that they know they're supposed to do. They're obeying him and all of that stuff. We're doing exactly what he said. All's going to be well. We're walking with him. Well, he's the prophet. He's the Messiah. He's the one that was promised. Everything's good. Nothing's going to happen to us, right? Wrong. See, that's a mindset that you have When you're thinking, I know the lake very well. He hasn't asked me to do anything beyond my ability. Just take me across to the other side of the lake. No issue whatsoever. But what happens? The worst type of storm comes up. The one that happens in the middle of the night on the Sea of Galilee. It's not like it is here with electricity and all that. When the storm comes up and you can't see the stars and the clouds roll in and the lake gets choppy, dark means dark. You feel absolutely helpless in the middle of the lake. Seasoned, experienced fishermen begin to panic. That's how bad this storm is. They know this lake better than anybody. While this crazy little rogue carpenter from the north is snoring on the pillows in the front of the boat as if nothing at all is going on. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushions. Not a care in the world. Let that just settle in your brain, because that's an amazing picture, isn't it? The guys who know the lake better than anybody are freaking out. This little rogue carpenter from the north taking a nap. Think this through for a minute. They trusted Jesus and his direction so long as things were good and they could control the situation. Everything was all right. But the moment that it gets beyond their capacity and their skill set to handle, their obedience begins to waver. 
and they get all unsettled. And some of you here today are in exactly the same spot right now. Dealing with something that you know that God has you in. You are smack dab in the middle of his will, but it has become too hard for you to deal with. It's beyond your capacity to handle. The peace that you had at the beginning of the journey when you stepped onto that road is no longer there because you're being pushed, you're getting frustrated, you're unsettled, and you're even wondering if you're hurt right in the first place because things are getting just a little bit more difficult and complicated than you can handle. Guess what? Good. That's where we're all supposed to be. Because you know what? Obedience is easy when obedience is easy. But when it's not, we have troubles. You see, the peace of God is easy for us to keep our hands around when we are in the harbor, when we are moored, when we are safe. Along the shore, as it were, where if the boat kind of tips over, I'm in three feet of water. And unless I've got rocks in my clothes, I'm going to be able to walk to the shore. But no, you see, out in the middle of this lake, where there's not anything that you can hope to grab onto if this boat overturns, and you're way beyond your capacity to handle things, you're greatly unsettled because you are now on your own in your own mind, and this is the key. You get shaky and you get doubtful. We have to remember here, self Reliance and self-ability is simply wrong. Whenever we lean on that, we are never going to grow. You see, these disciples needed to get beyond themselves. To the end of themselves, in fact, as the song was that we sang. Get to the end of themselves in order for God to get to them and help them to grow beyond where they were. You will never grow beyond where you are if you stay where you are. I know, it's real deep. But get your hands around that. You will never grow beyond where you are if you stay where you are. You have to be challenged. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us in his second letter to the Corinthians, when I am weak, I am what? Strong. Why? Because Christ's strength is made perfect in my weakness. See, my fat-headed arrogance, my pride, my self-sufficiency keeps me from being weak in order that Jesus can be made strong and work through me. That then unsettles me every time I get into a situation I don't know how to handle. How about you? Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? You see, all of these things are supposed to be that way. We are supposed to be pushed beyond where we are. That's what is called being conformed to the likeness of his son. You have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Guess what? That's literal sometimes. Sometimes we are shaking our way through what God has called us to do. If you haven't been there in a long time, I'm wondering if you're challenging yourself as you read the scriptures for the Lord to speak to you and really move you into a different place. See, God is working in you, remember. He's working in you. You are to work that out. That's your active part. But he is always working in you to conform you to the likeness of his son. It is always your job to work that out that he is working in. And that is to be happening through how you react, how you respond, and how you handle things going forward. So let's take a look at how these disciples responded and reacted in the midst of this challenge that they had. Teacher, 
Do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Let's get our hands around this. Jesus does just what Jesus does. Right? He just simply says, be quiet. What's the problem? What's the deal? Let me ask you something. Who was it that told them to go across the lake in the first place? I know this is Captain Obvious here, so this is a 100 you get on the quiz. Who was it that told him or told them to go? It was Jesus. He's the one that told them to go across the lake. Do you think that Jesus knew about this storm? Pretty certain he did. Why did he tell them to go across the lake? Well, Jesus himself is working within the sovereign plan of God in complete obedience to what God has for him. So that means he put them in this storm for a reason. For a reason. And some people would sit back and they would say, that's just mean. No, it's not. Get over yourself. It's not mean. Not if God's doing it. Why would God put somebody in a spot like that? Well, just like every one of us sitting here today, they had some things that they needed to learn that could never be learned in the safety of the harbor or along the shore. They could only be learned in the middle of a storm in the middle of the lake. So God orchestrated this. But I want you to see something in the midst of all of this that I think is an encouraging thing for us all. And we have to learn this because we oftentimes get it backwards. As is typical with Jesus when we read how it is he encounters people, he always meets the need first and then he addresses the issue. He meets the need first and then he addresses the issue. Don't lose sight of this. Don't forget this. We tend to always get it backwards, conditioning ourselves and others in our sphere of influence to performance-based acceptance, where I have to do something in order for a need to be met, or I have to perform to somebody else's standards in order to get the help that I need to have. He awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, peace be still, and the wind ceased. Problem solved. There was a great calm, just the opposite of the great storm. Then he said to them... Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? In other words, what's wrong with you guys? What's the deal? How many times have I got to show you this stuff before you finally get it? You see, this is the crux of their problem. Their faith in God to take care of them in every situation wasn't quite where it needed to be as yet. They had a great deal of faith in themselves, but when they were pushed beyond themselves, they began to panic. And they didn't know what to do. They had forgotten that they were smack dab in the middle of his sovereign and providential care. And they had lessons to learn. That everything would be fine. You see, if we lose sight of this, it is very hard for us to make a choice to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. If our faith is weak, peace tends to not be found in any circumstance. That's the connection that I have found, that I have made. If our faith is weak, this is not an insult, it's a personal observation. It's a fact. If our faith is weak, peace tends not to be found in our circumstances. 
I would challenge you in the midst of that, what do you have your faith in? If your faith is weak, is your faith weak in Christ, in God, and his ability to perform things? Because if that's the case, your faith is too strong in yourself. And we need to be weak. We need to understand that we don't bring anything to the table except obedience and then faith. Obedience to know that this is what God has called you to do and faith to say, God's going to bring me through it. He's going to take care of me in the midst of it all. You see, much like joy, it goes way away based, it just completely leaves our lives based upon the things that are going on around us and how we feel at the moment. If we allow it to be situational, we don't ever get peace and we can't cultivate it. Again, we are being stretched beyond our ability into the realm of faith and trust in God. We are not being pushed towards self-dependency. In fact, we're being pushed away from self-dependency. Self-dependency is a self-focus and it's an incredibly dangerous thing because it is simple self-reliance and dependence upon ourselves. That's a wrong focus, it's a wrong attitude, and it's not a God-centered one. It means that I have the providential care of my life. I am master of my own destiny. Listen, I have trouble making coffee in the morning. I don't want to be the one to run the ship. Think on that. The minute we think we're masters of our own destiny, we fall over and hurt ourselves, and we're at the mercy of somebody else. The peace of Christ can be had in each and every situation that we're in. You see, we can and we should cultivate peace as we realize how much God's grace has been poured out upon us and into us. And that is seen in how much this Jesus of Nazareth has done for us. We cannot ever forget that and what the Holy Spirit is still doing in and through us. That's proper focus. That's proper perspective. What God is working in, we are to work out through the power and infilling of God's Holy Spirit. Now we're back to Elvis again. I know I'd figure out a way to tie it all in. In light of all of this, he asked a very good question in the song that he sang. But he did so from the wrong perspective. He did so from the perspective of human beings looking at the problem of human beings trying to fix the problem that human beings make. You, you, you can't do that. But the question to be asked is great nonetheless because you know, it's dangerous and wrong when we think that we can fix the mess that we are constantly responsible for making. We can't. We can't. See, we need to find true peace. And if we want true peace... That is never from within. I am as unsettled as can be on a regular basis if I'm looking for peace from within. And I suspect so are you. It comes from the outside, doesn't it? True peace comes from the outside and is given to us in. And it starts outside on a hill where a cross stood, where the bloody body of a carpenter gave himself up in order that we might have peace. Peace that we could never attain on our own. A peace that we could never work for or work through. A peace that says, I will do this for you. Now you just go out into the world and you tell people about what it is I have done for you. Peace is found 
on the hill outside of the city on an old rugged cross, beat up and bloodied, in order that we can come to the Father and say, we need you, we need you. Perfect peace comes at the sacrifice of another. At the sacrifice of another. Now, proper perspective. Ellie Holcomb now, I close with. As she wrestles through this, she puts it this way in her song that's titled, Find You Here. It's not the news that any of us had hoped that we would hear. It's not the road we would have chosen. No. The only thing we can see is darkness up ahead. Now, that's a whole lot different than what Elvis was proclaiming, right? But here where she goes. But you're asking us to lay our worry down and sing a song instead. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I didn't know that I would find you here in the middle of my deepest fear, but you were drawing near. You were overwhelming me with peace. So I lift my voice and I sing that you're going to carry us through everything. You're drawing near and you are overwhelming all of my fears with peace. Now in a couple minutes that we have left, I want to give you just a couple of things. He's not taking her out of the situation she's in anywhere in this song. But he is giving her peace in the midst of whatever it is she's struggling with at that moment in time. And that actually helps her in a very good way. You see, proper focus and proper perspective always gives us the peace of Christ in everything. Always. So I have a question that I want to leave with you. And this is a tough one. You write it down. You wrestle it through. You bring it back tonight. You wrestle this through all week. Are you willing to come to the end of yourself in order that Christ may be found in you and his peace be formed in you? Are you willing to come to the end of yourself? Now, here's what you got to know for those of you kids that are here. You've patiently put up with the old man we're going to close on a song here. I want to ask you or tell you this. You need to remember this, and Miss Lisa will give it to you. I will come to God's presence when I feel stressed out. So for those of you in the back and the little one right here, and in fact, every one of you, this is pretty darn good. I will come to God's presence when I feel stressed out. That's your takeaway, kids, all of you. Let's stand. Father, as we close in one last song and the prayer teams and partners take their place once again, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts, not just through this song, Lord, but also through the words that were given. Father, if there's anybody here that's in need of prayer for something they're struggling with in life, I pray that you would just embolden them either to raise their hand right where they're at, we will meet them there, or to just step out and come to the altar and allow people to pray with them. I pray that you would give them a boldness and a strength in that, Lord. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Melissa, thank you.
we're so grateful that we're able to be here today in your presence, God. Thankful that you are able to calm the storms of our life, Lord, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're focusing on, Lord God. I just pray that you would refocus everything on you, that you would give us your grace, your peace, and your love this coming week, Lord God. We love you, Jesus. Amen.